0: Hello, I'm Mariette Schneemann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others, introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is My son has tourettes, a parent's journey. My guest is Sharona Danhauser, international keynote speaker and relational coach from Richards Bay. Welcome back on the show, Sharona.
1: Thank you for having me, Mariette, and good day to all the listeners.
0: Sharona, for those listeners who haven't heard our episode on how you've conquered cancer seasons and a stroke, could you please describe what you do?
1: I am a qualified neurolinguistics practitioner and cognitive behavioral therapist but all that really means is I have a passion to work with minds as well as hearts and to ensure that there's balance. So a lot of times we have big feelings, big emotions, and sometimes they just kind of run our life and run our business. And I listen to your heart. I'm a safe space. And I just bring in a little bit of balance with practical strategies And this year, I have broken away a little bit from corporate. I'm not doing as much corporate training and um, coaching as what I used to, because the need really, Mariette, is the hearts of a family. So this year, and it's been for a few years, but this year, I really made the concerted effort to change my schedule and to make space for teenage and parent coaching. And it's all about relationships. So Many times I have clients and we go through a program and then they ask, you know, Sharona, are you able to work with my teenager? Which is really wonderful because then that means everybody in the family has gone through the same growth strategies and everybody's at the same level. It's very difficult for one person to receive all these golden nuggets and no one else in the family really understands where they're going. So, so my heart is ready to start working and to continue working with the heart of a family, to build relationships and communicative skills through cognitive behavioral therapy and, and just to do life in a safe space or, or this really, this practice and it's whether someone's sitting in person or online, just to be a safe space and to know that you're navigating challenges, but you're never doing it on your own.
0: Yes. And would you please tell us a little about your family?
1: So I'm a mom to two boys, Daniel and Luke. Daniel is adulting. He's 23. He is in Stellenbosch. He is currently going to start navigating his honors in psychology. And it seems like his heart is also more neuropsychology. And then our younger son, Luke, is in grade 11. He is 17. And... Yes, today is actually all about him and the lessons I've learned as a mom with Luke. And then I am married this year in December. It will be 25 years to the love of my life, Duan, who is a engineer who I just love and adore doing life with.
0: Congratulations on those 25 years that is coming.
1: So exciting. And you know what? Every year is a blessing and you can continually fall in love Um, we've just had a tour in France we went to see the Booker Mm. play three matches and you know as we were walking down these cobblestones and and Dawn and I always hold hands I just thought to myself honestly I am blessed beyond measure to do life with a partner who just 100% meets me at every level and and I think that's the heart that we want for all relationships isn't it Mariette?
0: Absolutely. Uh, you've mentioned that we're talking about Luke, and Luke has Tourette syndrome. Could you explain, please, what Tourette syndrome is?
1: Tourette syndrome is a neurodevelopmental disorder, and it can affect children, adolescents, as well as adults. Um, and it's really the condition is characterized by sudden involuntary movements, which we call. Ticks or sounds, which we call tics. So there's motor and vocal tics, and this tic's is spelled T-I-C-S. And um, these tics can range from mild to moderate, severe, or even disabling in some cases. I think the the greatest um, the greatest learning and challenge with Tourette's really is that the tics can wax and wane. So. If you think about it, let's take an eye movement. So if you've got an eye twitch, let's say that's your tick. And you might have that tick today, but you can wake up tomorrow and not have that tick. All of a sudden, you might have cleaning of your throat. Maybe that's the tick. Um, Sometimes you might have eye movements and a throat cleaning. Sometimes you might be chirping. So that's a vocal tick. The ticks aren't the same, and... To be diagnosed with Tourette's, what the doctors look at is that you've had these ticks for more than a year. So, you know, if you wake up in the morning, you might not have a tick, And it also depends on your environment. And that's what I'll share a little bit later on in depth is Luke can have a day that he will not have a single tick, And then Luke can have a day that he ticks nonstop. So we've been able to see. What causes? What are those days? We can't preempt it, but we have definitely seen when it gets worse. And this is where the education comes in. And then, of course, Mariette, I do want to stipulate and just mention that um, these learnings and the education and the findings that we as parents have had with Luke and that Luke himself has shared with me is unique to Luke. Mm. And might not help someone, but uh, I always think someone might have a light bulb moment and go, oh my goodness, yes, I've noticed that as well. Or, oh wow, that's maybe something we can investigate. And it really is to start the conversation, to not put Tourette's in a square box, um, because I think no one um, individual is unique and exactly the same with Tourette's. There is just no copy paste from one individual to another but if you sit and you observe um you know I mentioned that we were in France and while I was sitting in the different stadiums observing people I mean that's what I do for a living is observation Mm -hmm. and just in the space and the environments of where we were sitting I would see three or four people with tick disorders and I'm so Mm -hmm. alert to it that um, and the conversation becomes so easy for me to have with someone that I see has a tick disorder. And many people are often misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all with with tics, and and that to me is heart sore because one in five children in primary school will have some form of tick disorder. But likely I'd grow it by the age of twelve. And if you don't know what that is, then I think I just feel so sorry for that specific individual, that child, um, because they they're going to get comments, they're going to get stares, their parents are going to tell them, Listen, stop that habit, because that's exactly what happened with Luke, is when he was in, in grade R, we thought he was he had little habits. So, you know, when he would have an eye movement tick and he would do it three or four times, um, you know, we would gently say, Luke, don't do that. It's going to become a habit. Mm. And you know, looking back, there, I wish that we could have done that better. I wish that we had seen the sign sooner. And then as it progressed, I think with my, with my studies I immediately realized okay wait um, but it was probably only six months into him showing these visible motor ticks. and that's when the question started and and I'm sure asked just now where did we start getting help but that is really where the frustration started. So I'm hoping that that has answered a little bit of that question as to what is Tourette's and I think the biggest thing is to know that it's neurological. It's not something that can be fixed. There is no medication that you can take for it to just go away. There are strategies, which I'll definitely discuss. Um, There's no magic wand. It's delving into a deeper level of understanding for each individual to know what the triggers are. And I think that's when we start making a difference
0: in that individual's life. Thank you, Sharona, for that description. And I think the fact that you say it's a neurodevelopmental disorder is something that you might touch on further on in our conversation because I know you are very interested in the mind and I'm sure that will give us some pointers too.
1: Absolutely.
0: I once heard you say it's never purely Tourette's. What did you mean by that?
1: This is such an important um, aspect. You know, if we, if we look at Tourette's, among people diagnosed with Tourette's, it's estimated that 86% have been diagnosed with at least one other additional condition. We call these co-occurring conditions. And these can be the following. It can be ADHD. Um, it can be OCD, so obsessive-compulsive disorder. It can be behavioral or conduct issues such as aggression, rage, defiance. Anxiety is a huge one. There could be learning disabilities um, that come into play, social skills deficits and social functioning, definitely um, censoring processing issues, and then also sleep disorders. So if we listen to all of that, I can only comment on that which we have noticed with Luke and the path and the journey that we've had with Luke Luke was also diagnosed and has been diagnosed with OCD and anxiety I think every one of us experiences some level of anxiety and if you are prone to have anxiety then of course ticking and having an um, OCD will just expedite your anxiety so for us and for our journey um and and you know luke can explain this so beautifully and it was very important for me to when we advocate and when we have these conversations that luke's voice is heard and even just preparing for this conversation you know i went through with luke through these questions and um, i always want to honor him as luke not as my son, who has Tourettes, um yes. this is just what makes him more unique and where our learning has expedited in in considerable degrees so so here you have a young child okay he's he's adult- he's almost an adult now, but here you have this young child whose body is doing things, so let's look at Luke, and there was a stage where he would have a really complex tick. So his eyes would roll. So it's literally like it starts from top and it goes down to his body. His eyes would roll. His throat would have a spasm. So automatically the throat has to, like the esophagus um, has a spasm, and then it goes down into the tummy having a spasm. And all of that happens between two and three seconds. It's It's very quick, but if you think of that movement and then an arm swing, going over and over and over the entire day. And now when you speak to Luke, so, you know, as a parent, when you'd see this, when he was very tiny, I know in grade three was one of the toughest years for him, as well as grade six. And that's when I just felt like, wow, this child is not having moments of calm. There's no calm days in between. There's no calm hours in between. It's just non-stop ticking, and it goes almost into what we would call a, a tick seizure, where there's hardly time between one rhythm of ticks before another starts. And um, now, when when Luke can explain so beautifully, now when he says it, it doesn't upset him that he ticks, he's made peace with it where the anxiety steps in, that cognitive um, thought pattern to say, but what's really upsetting me about this day is the compulsion. And this is so important to understand. And this might be different for someone else, but but Luke would explain to you, if he doesn't do the ticks in the proper sequence, in the proper depth, in the proper way, he gets upset that the compulsion the compulsion would make him do that tick over and over and over again. Now, for us to try and understand and comprehend, Mariette, and and every listener out there, you almost think, but my goodness, how can you not just stop? Well, number one, the ticks aren't going to stop. But pairing that with the compulsion of OCD, pairing that with a mind that's telling you, you need to do that sequence again. That tick wasn't the proper way. So now we really then get into a space where anxiety is going to flare beyond control. And that's when it becomes complex. And that's why I say it's never just Tourette's. Many of the people I've met have Tourette's plus ADD or ADHD. Um, Luke has, has the OCD component. So that's when... That's when we need to seek help. That's when we need to sit with people who aren't specialists in Tourette's, but mm. who are specialists with OCD or who are specialists with ADD. And, and that's, I think, this conversation gets exciting for me, that there's hope to know, okay, we can't focus just on the Tourette's. But like what else do you think might be coinciding or which is partnering with that? And so often people are, you know, when they hear Tourette's doesn't have, you know, there's no solution or there's no quick fix, they just stop. And I'm like, but I can almost guarantee you there are other areas that you can improve in and that is going to become easier for you. So let's break it down. So I'm hoping that um, for parents that maybe have a child that's just recently been diagnosed, I'm so sorry, it's a very scary place. It's a very scary and a very lonely place. And as mom, I have never felt as powerless as a day of observing Luke. <laughs> you know, um, there were days that his ticks would be so loud that even, you know, in his bedroom where maybe his door was closed or I'm um, in the bathroom, you know, bathing and I can hear him in his room ticking. And the, the tears would just be streaming and rolling down my face. And I would often think, how is it going to live a normal life? You know, how, how do you get through a day, firstly, all the pain in your body um, to tick, especially if you have complex, you know, motor ticks, it's, it's painful your muscles are so sore and tight at the end of the day I'm always like you know if you can imagine trying to flex your tummy muscles like for 5 seconds every minute or picture that the whole day because that's what Luke is experiencing on a bed today so I think the complexity of Tourette's can be overwhelming and I think that's why we need to break it down We need to say, okay, what other co-condition could you possibly have that we can focus on giving you the capacity to deal with those so that everything doesn't just seem so overwhelming? And I always draw this big picture. I draw this big messy circle, like a little toxic circle, but I take up half of the page and I'll say, okay, that's Tourette's. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's the part we can't control. But what, what goes with it? And we draw a whole lot of little messy circles. We're like, okay, maybe anxiety. Maybe the other one is OCD. Maybe the other one is relationship anxiety that you're feeling. Maybe the one is academics. What is? What are all the other areas in your life that's also creating overwhelm? And then we slowly start looking at strategies and practical ways to deal with the little circles, the little pieces that are seeming to just go around and around that's really creating pressure and overwhelm, and when we slowly start working on those, we have the capacity, we have a greater capacity to deal with our ticks, to deal then with the Tourette's, because it's not like we're not getting any help or there's no hope. We want to open a door of hope in all the other areas of our lives that we can with practical strategies, with experts in the field that can help us. And then the capacity becomes greater for that person that's journeying with Tourette's, and that's the practical vision that I have for for parents who are navigating these challenges.
0: That's very sensible. I wanted to ask you, Sharona, do we know what the causes of Tourette's syndrome are?
1: You know what? There is um, there is so many different different answers to that, um, there, there's contradiction even in the study. Some will show you that there are definitely genetic predispositions and others will 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 go against that. And I think it's when one really goes into those deep studies that you just sit back and you, well, well, is it something that I did as a parent? Is there something? And no. Um, I think it makes it easier for us to understand that it's, it's on the neurological Spectrum. So there's nothing we can do. However, because we've explained so beautifully now the co conditions, and I think when I look back at our family, I can I definitely know there's people. And when I use the term OCD, I don't use it lightly. I use it in the field that practitioners use the term OCD. When I look at you know ADD and ADHD, I'm not referring to some of my family members that are hyperactive and constant. Still, I can definitely see a thread within our family going back to our grandparents and our parents where you can see significant OCD disorder. And I think it's maybe some of those, I want to say, little golden nuggets that we inherit that maybe expedite or make the dynamic so much different for or someone that then has Tourette's, but there's no cause. And usually you'll also see that someone with Tourette's would have been diagnosed before the age of 18. It's very seldom, and I've tried to find the statistics on this, but there's not a lot of studies that show that an adult just one day wakes up and they start having a tick disorder. If it's not, maybe something linked with something else, uh, a medical, you know, a tumour or something on the brain. That is causing a neurological complication. So there are no causes. I can tell you what expedites Luke's ticks. And I think this is an interesting conversation. So Maria Head, if you had to take a wild guess, what do you think in the years that we've been navigating life with Luke, what do you think would be would be a trigger for Luke? And I want to talk about an ex- external trigger. So we're not even going to look at emotionally. We're not going to look at anything. But if you have to think of something outside the body, what do you think could be a good
0: trigger? Yes, I was going to say I would look at, at the environment. Would that be any unexpected change or perhaps sensory input? Absolutely.
1: So for us, Luke's biggest biggest enemy we call him an enemy because it's just crazy luke cannot cope in the heat and i don't say this lightly because we live in richards bay we live in richards bay where summer we have an average temperature of 42 degrees and luke thrives in winter it is phenomenal to see so i want to make it very clear with luke we've seen of course he has internal triggers so that would be emotional stress anxiety those type of things but the external factors um the moment luke's head gets hot that is the easiest way i can explain it without going into too much detail the the moment there's inflammation because what is heat heat is inflammation so we know when it's a hot day, already the odds are against Luke. And I think this is so beautiful, the way in which when you have the conversations and you find out, okay, external triggers, and we found this out, for instance, when Luke went to play golf. Look, if you're gonna stand and play golf, you're gonna get hot. Luke had such immense tick seizures that he had to lie down on the on the green. Okay, we realized, okay, we cannot play golf in summer. Golf will have to be done in winter. So what does this look like in everyday life? Because we are going to get hot. We are we are going to navigate life in an environment where there will always be a sun. So for Luke, when he comes home from school in summer, immediately he has... A cold bath, a cold shower, and if the or if the pool is cold enough, he will immerse himself completely and get his head cold. And then we pack we pack ice packs around his neck and his torso for his body to calm down. He drinks an anti-inflammatory and we've always got the aircon on. And you can see his entire body within an hour starts relaxing so navigating school is not easy for Luke because of the external factors it's hot it's humid you move from one class to another with a with a a bag there's no way about that that's part of his school day but we've been extremely blessed with an amazing leadership team at his school so Luke has been at this school from preschool to grade six then, then grade six, he had, we did not have a good good start to the term. And I did homeschooling with Luke from grade six to the end of grade nine. And then Luke integrated back into his previous school, grade 10, and he's currently there. And this school is the Richards Bay Christian School. And they've seen Luke from when he was a tiny tot. So we've had the Tourette's conversation and um, they're well educated. They are always willing to communicate and they have given him the the lenience and Luke goes to school in a cooler sport uniform instead of the long pants, the blazer and the tie. And I'll tell you that that has made a huge difference for Luke because he never complained. Luke never, ever, ever moans about his ticks. And the middle of last year, he was walking in front of me and I just noticed something in his neck. And I said to him, my boy, what's going on with your neck? And I looked and it was this massive rash. So when he has a neck tick, which is one of his dominant ticks, he's, his head moves from left to right, left to right a lot. So that was that was almost like a blister that had caused from the, the chafing of the school shirt, which you've now got your blazer, your school shirt and your tie. And he never said a single thing. But from his neck ticks, of course, this has caused such friction on his neck. And I said to him, but then you've got to, you know, we've got, it's your shirt, your school shirt. You know, we've got to have a conversation with the school. And I think this is where the self-advocacy comes in, Maria. This is where if you've journeyed, and you've learned and you've healed enough so you're not coming from a space of anger, mad or sad because of your your condition. It's so beautiful to have those conversations and to go to the school and to say, listen, this is what's currently happening and to have a space of grace for Luke. So we would call that, you know, commendations if you go out into the big world. These are conversations that we should be having with, with the teams that you partner with, whether it's during school or whether you go to work one day as, a, as an adult with Tourette's. It's just to understand how the external factors, so even something like a school shirt, absolutely was causing Luke tremendous physical pain, but he never said anything. So then we need to step in and he will now have the confidence enough to explain to someone, you know what, I don't want to not align with your rules. I honor your rules. But there's a small complication here. And that's, I think, when this beautiful grace steps in because we all understand each other's worlds a little better. So so yes, external factors such as heat has been a big, big challenge for Luke and as some of the parents have reached out to me and the feedback from them has been absolutely when they get their children cooled down, the ticks seem to subside a little bit. So we call it a good old-fashioned reset. So, Mariette, when when Luke is going through a tough time, um, whether it's heat and, you know, exams, can you imagine exam time coming up now where you've got internal stresses of studies and you've got external stresses such as heat if you put those two together um we already know okay we are ready so this is where luke plans he will make sure that he has an anti-inflammatory when he sees that he's having a lot of um ticks he will make sure that the aircon is on but besides that he will also look at what were any internal triggers and and this is where the mind comes in. This is that invite that you gave me just now. When we want to look at neurodevelopmental, this is to sit and say, okay, what of what I'm feeling now is emotion and what is real? So Luke knows about breathing techniques. Luke knows how to self-regulate. He knows how to decompress. Um, every day when Luke gets home for an hour, he decompresses before he even starts looking at schoolwork we look at how to, um, so even though he has all the strategies just because of, of my background as coach, he also has always the option to reach out to a psychologist. So we have a psychologist in town, and I think in all the years he's only reached out two times. And that means there's something else that's creating an internal stressor that I said you never have to talk about everything with me. You also need a safe place. It's just like my clients come to me for a safe place. If you need more strategy, if there's something that you want to work on, then, you know, we need to reach out. So in all the years, it's only needed that on two sessions. And and that's why partnering with other experts, partnering with other people is vital in your community as you partner um, with your child that has Tourette's.
0: I have so much respect, Sharona, for the way you have been approaching these factors, because I think getting clear about cause and effect, like you spoke about the heat, which I would never have guessed, and handling it in this practical way, and then talking about it from a neutral point of view, as you do, and getting others on board if they happen to be in a situation where they are influencing his well-being, like the people at school, I think that is so sensible.
1: I think it's the only way. There again, it's all about life in balance, isn't it, Mariette? Um, you know, we, let me tell you... Um, Luke's journey has been a very emotional one for me. Like, honestly, if I didn't have these practical strategies to counterbalance, um, I would probably just be crying all the time. And there are days, there are days that are hard for a parent to see your child struggling. But let's face it, our children are being to struggle we want to fix everything um you know we want to wave a magic wand i think all we can do is to constantly bring our children into balance is to say feel those big emotions you are allowed to not feel happy you are allowed to feel and i mean i'm not walking in your shoes you 100% have the right to feel despair um How can I help create balance as a parent? How can I help partner with people who understand so that we can get hope? Because balance is hope. It's when we are out of balance that everything feels like we are just stuck in a toxic cycle. And, Mariette, this has taken years. Um, You know, that's why I've said, you know, we've been navigating this for many, many years. And today is the first time that I'm really saying, okay, I think that I'm in a space where... I can speak, um, I think a, a sensible, something practical, but it's taken many years to get to this very balanced, very neutral perspective because I've seen hope and I'm not so over emotional. But if you had seen me, if you had spoken to me of seven years ago, I would have probably been crying. You know, I still get emotional. Absolutely. But. In all of this, um, greater is the hope than the emotion of a disorder. And greater is the hope and the mission to help other families. And the beautiful thing is um, when I have educators phone me and say, you know what, we think there's a child in my class that has Tourette's, and we just start opening the conversation, that is all we can do. I know in all of this, I have also reached out to professionals that have not done, that actually creates a little bit more harm than healing. And and I remember very specifically, one of the, the doctors prescribed the same medication you would give someone for epileptic seizures. And that was honestly the worst thing that could ever have happened to Luke. Um, we just saw him not doing well at all. It actually got worse. And my mother's instinct just, and you're not supposed to just stop the medication. It's a kind of a wean on, wean off situation. We know the importance of of not disrupting the natural neurotransmitters. And I just stopped immediately and I said, I can see that this is doing more harm. And, you know, eventually Luke said to me, please, I never want to go on that medication again. And I think it's so important to, uh, to find balance as parents, especially if our kids are still very, very young, to listen to what they're telling us and to really try and connect with people that have worked with Tourette's patients before. And that's why I say it's it's the co it's the other areas. Um you can speak to your GP or your psychologist or psychiatrist or team about okay, what can I help my child with with anxiety? Let's look at okay, what what is there? Is there something natural? What else is maybe so that when the wheels are coming off? And that's why with Luke now, um, when he turned 13, I remember seeing with the, the external pressure of, of school, of curriculum, I would see, okay, certain things make him more anxious. And then we found a medication Prescribed by a doctor that works well for Luke. I keep it with me. He will come to me if he has already tried to regulate. So he's already tried all the external things. He's done his breathing. He's done, he's done, um, he's done all the other strategies that we've got into place. And he still feels like there's a cat lying on his chest. It still feels like he can't breathe. It still feels that he's overwhelmed. Then he would have that the one tablet that's just calming him down in the moment and he'll maybe drink two a month like honestly i think those prescriptions last forever but we're not reliant on just the one thing i think it's a whole lot of little things that make a big difference so that's what's worked for us as a family and for luke and I think conversation with, with people in a team is what makes it so much easier.
0: Yes, it really sounds as if one needs to be wide awake and then you, you go forward through trial and error, I think.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you, you know, I remember when I first read about GABA, it's a natural neurotransmitter, and I think for about a year, Luke had GABA every single day. And you know, looking back, I think no, I think GABA was a huge waste of money, and I I feel bad saying that. But but you will try anything, you will try anything if you know, um, or if you think that this can help. You know, I remember when someone said you've got to try CBT oil, CBT chewies, CBT CS gummies, and all of that. Um. And, and I liaised with a medical practitioner and they said, you know what, it could actually maybe, you know, try it. And it was during the time that I was homeschooling Luke. I would homeschool him in the morning till one. And then in the afternoon, I would still see clients at my practice. And I must tell you that I loved learning with Luke. I loved the homeschooling. I, I want to come back to that. Please remind me, I want to just circle back to that because that's one other practical intervention. But coming back to CBT and medication, it had the opposite effect for Luke. One gummy, his ticks expedited. It was a very bad experience for him. It could be a completely different experience for someone else. We know that CBT reacts on how you are at that moment. So if you're calm, it's going to make you calmer. If you're a little bit hyperactive, it's going to make you slightly more hyperactive. And for us during that stage, um, it definitely wasn't an option. But I tried it because I would have tried if I knew it was mm. going to work. So we really have, you know, we have looked at what works and for us to work on the mind, to work on where the internal versus external factors and never to work on either one of them as separate entities, we bring balance. And that's when we can feel that we are a little bit more in control. And I'm going to circle back to the homeschooling Um Mariette, When when the start of grade six, Luke's ticks were so severe that I just thought how. Firstly, I was worried about the other children in the class. That is a very big reality because he didn't just have motor ticks; he also had vocal ticks. So he had he had a little like a little squeal. So it would be like a mm, mm, with every tick, and I just kept thinking. What about these poor children? These other children have to listen to this all the time. I've learned since then, children don't hear it. Children don't see Luke's ticks. Um, we become so sensitive to our children and to what they're experiencing. We hear it louder. We see it more. The people around them don't see it the same way we do. But I was still concerned about what are these other children experiencing in class? And then because of his eye ticks. His eyes would jump on the board and it would take him much longer to write things down. And eventually they would allow him to take a photo so that he, he's got it written down. Luke also, one of the texts that Luke also has, which is a little bit of, of a complex disorder, Luke also repeats So if he says something, he will repeat the last three words over and over and over again. If he reads a sentence, he will repeat the last three words over and over and over again. So as he's gotten older, he still does it, but a lot less because you don't see him doing it. He's doing it in his mind. But I just kept thinking, how is he he going to cope? And Mariette, after a, a very big conversation with my husband, we decided to do the homeschooling. And and here's what I learned. I learned that bodies need to rest. That was a that was big thing for me with Luke. We had no alarm clock in the morning. When Luke woke up, that is when he woke up. So he would sometimes wake up at 7 or 8 in the morning. And... He would come and look, my traditional way of thinking is, okay, the same time every morning, we're going to start this lesson and we're going to do this and this and this. And I I had all these structured plans and we still got through the curriculum, but it looked different. I could immediately see where Luke's triggers were academically because I was so in touch. Um, I could work on those areas a little slower. I would watch, I would watch his body. I would watch his breathing. So I had the honor as well as I think the complete privilege to slow down my mornings for a few years to really get in touch with what Luke's body needed. And then what his mind needed and together get him strong enough because the dream was always to integrate back for FET phase for grade 10. And, and that's what happened. And we also said to him, listen, if the wheels come off or if at any given moment you want to go back into the homeschooling syllabus, the doors always open. The wonderful thing is he always kept his friendships going. So throughout the years of homeschooling, he still had the same friends at um, RBCS. And so when he went back to grade 10, all his friends were still there. And the strategies that he learned are the same strategies I teach my my coaching clients. It's hard to deal with overwhelm. And those practical strategies made him integrate effortlessly, and he's doing really well. I think we're going into our grade 11 exams next week and then next year's matric, and we are excited to see what the future holds for him.
0: This is so encouraging, Sharona. I was wondering if you don't mind going back. Maybe there are parents listening who are wondering about a child, and if you could just let us know how he was Diagnosed and yeah, give us some information around that, please. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? I I knew the diagnosis before I had him at a at a doctor. So I I knew when I when I saw the sequences of his ticks in my heart, I already knew. But then, of course, you can go to your family GP, you can go to a paediatrician, you can go to whichever doctor really has been working with your child. Um, and who I think it's very important to have a good rapport with your child. The complexity here, Marietta, and I want to to be very transparent here, is when you go with your child to get a diagnosis or when you take your child. um, I took small little videos of Luke over a certain period because I knew that ticks, wax, and wane. So I just did a small little behind-the-scenes without Luke seeing I would document um, the vocal or the motor tick, especially when they're reading. You can see it a lot when children are reading. It becomes very prominent then, especially when they're tiny. You can see the ticks. You see ticks a lot when children are in front of technology, and I'm trying to avoid using that one as a go-to because you get other tick disorders that can be linked to technology. So I uh, excluded tech. But I would just look at his daily when he's sitting eating. Luke's ticks are expedited actually when he's eating. So it makes it quite tricky. So remember, you've got to have ticks for 12 months or more before a diagnosis can take place. So if you think that your child has a tick disorder, you can slowly start documenting, slowly start paving a way towards a diagnosis remembering that they change. Ticks can change, good days, bad days, but when was the first day that you remember your child ticking? When did it look worse? What's happening today? Is it eyes? Is it vocal? And then take your child to the medical practitioner. Um, Sometimes you will be referred to a neurologist if they feel that they want to do more tests with children. The one thing that I do want to mention is most doctors will tell you that there's a great likelihood that your child will grow out of it by the age of twelve. And dear listener, and Marie Hates, that was one of the things, one of the lowest days I think of Luke's journey. Ever since we can remember, when Luke has a birthday, Luke's birthday is in August, in the middle of August. From the first of August, this child is beyond excited. And I remember that any um, emotion in 3D, so a lot of joy or a lot of sadness, no matter the emotion, the ticks will will be more. So Luke's birthday month is one of his most hard tick months because of excitement. He loves a birthday. And the one birthday that he didn't show joy was his 12th birthday. And he was always so excited and his 12th birthday came and for a few days we could just see he's not himself because Luke is always joy. Luke Luke does not have deep, dark days. He is a very light and bright characteristic. And, um, yeah, we just saw something's not – he's not himself. And I have given him the strategies. I don't press for answers. I might ask one or two questions and then I leave my boys. And I know when they're ready, I'm a safe place. And a few days later, he, he came and he said, you know, mom, I was so hoping that on my 12th birthday, my ticks were going to stop. And they didn't. And I know that doctors want to inform statistics. They want to share what the books show. Um, And as parents, we sometimes just need to help protect and guard our children. And in Luke's mind, he thought, that doctor said, Luke, at the age of 12, you're no longer going to have Tourette's. And he took it and he ran with it. And it wasn't the truth. I think it's, it's very, very important how we share statistics and when we do because we can still hope away from our children that have been diagnosed. And that's why Luke will tell you he lives one day at a time. If he doesn't have ticks tomorrow, great. If he has ticks tomorrow, he's fine without you. He has made peace. And Luke told me, um, 2020, when we were all navigating COVID and the huge changes, the one day Luke said to me, you know what, mom, I see sometimes that my ticks, my bad tick days make you sad. And I'm sorry that they make you sad. I don't want you to worry about me. I have made peace with Tourette's. And that right there is where we want our children to be. We don't want them to live on the hope that tomorrow the ticks are going to be gone. We want them to live with the hope that they have the strategies to navigate their ticks.
0: Yes, I must say that what you have just said goes right to my heart. There we go. I just simply have such a lot of respect for him for handling it that way absolutely and Sharona could you give parents could you tell them where they could find more information if information needs to be handled actually so carefully what would you advise parents
1: you know, there is a wonderful resource, um, the Tourette's Association, and I'm very cautious to go and look at any other places, even though I've read many theses, because, you know, I've also liaised with quite a few professors over the years, but I think it's, it's, um, the Tourette's Association is based in America and they have wonderful resources available for parents, and In having said all that, we are a generation that's hungry for information, and especially information that you think can help guide your child. And in doing that, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made, which I would want to caution parents with, and then again, each child is different. You know, to give an example, the one day I remember Luke saying, and he asked me, he said, Mom, am I ever going to be able to drive? Now when you're a young preteen, if you think about it, driving is independence. Driving is what we all dream of when we turn eighteen, we want to get our license, we want to get our car and we want to learn to drive. Bam. And he was so young, he was eleven at that stage, and I still thought, Wow, he is he's already worried about the fact that he's not gonna be able to drive one day. So I started doing a lot of research and I found a, a really great resource online where this woman explains how she she drives 100% because it's not classified as epilepsy. But if you think about it, if you've got bad ticks on that day and your eyes are maybe turning or twitching and you've got a neck tick, um, it's 100% natural to think, but this is going to impact the way I drive. And I found this wonderful girl on her YouTube channel and, I'm, and she explained how she's driving and basically what a lot of the kids do or um, what Luke also has learned over the years is he finds a safe place to explode his ticks. So in between periods, in between school cl- classes, when the bell rings and you're busy packing up and going, it's very noisy. If Luke has a lot of, let's say, vocal ticks, he will explode as many ticks as he can because it's not it's not like it's quiet. So you can't withhold ticks. It it makes it a lot worse. So what you can do is you can hold them up to a certain time and then you need to explode them. And she just explained how at a robot or at a stop shoot, she would um, explode her ticks. And I thought, well, this is a great resource. I'm going to show this to Luke. And no, it was not at all well received. And I was so surprised because I thought, oh, but this is This is excellent. You know, she's really nice and she's funky. And here's what Luke told me in his very sensible way. He said, I am not her and she is not me. What works for her doesn't mean that that's going to work for me, Mom. And then he said something that I'll never forget and I've never done it again. And he said, Mom, I don't want to see videos of other people with Tourette's. Okay. That was a shocker for me because I thought, well, maybe you'll feel less alone. You'll feel less isolated because actually a lot of people have Tourette's. But no, he did not want to see someone else ticking. He, he, it made him feel extremely uncomfortable. And I would never cross that line again. But he was able and mature enough because he had the strategies and he knows to communicate and to say, this is not a strategy for me. This is not going to work. So here's what I want your heart, Marie, to hear and every single listener. Luke got his learners in August of this year and he is driving like a boss. Every weekend him and his dad go for their driving. And it's amazing how even with the excitement and even with everything, um, his ticks have not at all deterred his driving. It hasn't even come into the picture. So the big thing that he was worried about when he was 11, six years later, isn't even in the equation. And that's what we've learned, is to not overthink and overplan, to to have practical strategies on a daily basis, so that when other things happen, you have the tools to deal with that thing, not the perceived thing that you think is going to happen.
0: Isn't that an amazing story and very encouraging? Thank you, Sharona. Wonderful. Just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of content on emotional and physical health, parenting, love relationships, and the life challenges and stages we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist, coach or other wellness professional, so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who will resonate with you, should you need one. I've interviewed more than 100 well-being providers from different countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you enjoy getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, click on up close and personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform or perhaps in a South African magazine, take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now, back to my guest.
1: I really do hope that there are parents out there that are feeling a little lighter because it does make you feel heavy. You know, any diagnosis, isn't it, Mariette, makes Mm. you feel that almost a little bit of, you know, this is what our loved one is going to have for the rest of their life. And it's very overwhelming. And I think more so if you think there's no magic wand. I can't tell you how many educators have asked me, what tablet can they drink? And when I say there's nothing and it's complex, but if you want to have the conversation, I'll have it. If you want me to work with that child, I will. If you want me to work with a family, I will. If we're willing to put in the work and I think our perspective changes, our, our perspective will become our passport and not our prison.
0: Yes, and that is something you have said for many years.
1: And I will continue because it's our perspective we do have control over. Our perspective is the only thing that, that really is the GPS to our reactive and our reaction mm-hmm.
0: Two things I'll do. The one thing, I'll get that um, the link to that American association you were talking about. I'll get that from you, please, after our conversation, and I'll link that to the podcast. And then the other thing, I'll ask you in a couple of minutes where listeners can learn more about your work. So if anybody heard you say that you can work with their child should they wish you to do so then we will have the necessary contact details but before we go there I was going to ask you what role your faith played through this journey
1: a huge role a massive role because um, I know that we are uniquely created with purpose and and God's God's yoke is light, but a diagnosis sometimes seems so heavy. And sometimes we can navigate our own challenges, but my goodness, when it's our children, um, it's as if we don't have the same resilience muscle. It's as if everything just becomes so much more difficult. And, you know, I love the scripture that was specifically aimed at Esther during her, her season. And um, you are called for a time such as this. And, and that scripture was really very, very prominent for me when I look now how open, especially the corporate world and organizations are towards anybody that's neurodivergent. Because, of course, if you have Tourette's, you're automatically on the neurodivergent spectrum. And, you know, diversity is such a buzzword and everybody's including a greater percentage of those on the neurodivergent spectrum into their workforce and into their teams and leadership. And I'm just thinking to myself, Luke has navigated so many life challenges. He's anchored in his faith as well. And I think that's the most important thing is I think that the beautiful thing with our faith is we've never questioned, we've never asked why I've never asked God, why would you do this to Luke or why would Luke have to struggle? Uh, Where's just, uh, pivoted the prayer to please help me understand my role. Please help me connect with the right knowledge. Please help me connect with one person that can make a difference in Luke's life. So so prayer and God's promises for for us as a family unit and more than that for protection over Luke and to know that, yes, people can stay, and yes, people can question, but more than that, um to pray that he will always be surrounded by people who love him and not endure him, but absolutely adore him because he's loved by so many. And the beautiful thing is when, when people speak about the tourists never comes into the conversation. Where I used to always put that into the conversation, thinking that it's a it's a condition, it's not a condition. And that's the same as God's love for us. it is it is it's it's so it's drenched in favor and blessing unconditionally. Luke is loved unconditionally and accepted in that manner and and when I know that I can pray um the blood of Jesus over him the release is so much better into the big world because, you know, I'm going to have empty nest the end of next year when Luke goes into the wide world. And uh, I feel so much lighter knowing that he's protected by someone far greater than me and knowing that as parents, we've equipped him with enough knowledge, wisdom, love, and grace and strategy to navigate the big world. And we do so, we do so with a heavy heart but um, excited about his future.
0: Thank you, Sharona. Now can you say where listeners can learn more about your work?
1: I think the easiest way is always the website. And, um, you know, it's www.sharonad.com. And anybody's welcome. There's little WhatsApp links and there's information on there. I don't necessarily speak on Tourette's on my web But there is teenage and parent coaching and I also do speak, I do offer um, talks, motivational talks. So in whichever light where we can add value to organizations, schools, teams or families they can look at the relative links and contact me like that.
0: Thank you and I'll also attach that link to the podcast and I'd like to mention that in the podcast notes I will note where you can be found on social media because you are quite active. (laughs)
1: i am on my instagram i try and share micro learning so that's usually um mental fitness so anything related to mental fitness a little bit of personal but for me if someone has 30 seconds to watch a reel perhaps there's something there that will help with emotional and physical balance and um and on my normal my facebook page is just a little bit more personal
0: are you ready for your fun question now
1: absolutely let's go (laughs)
0: I was wondering, Sharona, if you were a swallow, to which country would you like to migrate every year?
1: Absolutely, France, because I've just been there. And I want to go specifically to the city called Toulouse. I lost my heart in Toulouse. And we were joking because my maiden surname is Sylvia. And, um, of course, that is descendant from... From France, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were well received. We had an absolute ball, but um, when I sat in the big market plane of Toulouse, I said to Dawn, Wow. So if I could go there as a swallow once a year, I think my life <laughs> would be complete. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. And thank you, Sharona, for sharing this. It's not just information. There is so much insight. And then, once again, the word I can't stay away from when I talk to you is the heart. So much that comes from the heart. So, thank you for sharing this and offering such clarity and hope.
1: Thank you very, very much for the opportunity. And I really appreciate you and your platform and everything you bring to us.
0: Thank you. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd be so happy if you'd subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If this episode was helpful, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietzneeman.co.za For this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneemann Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart Marie Sneemann. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.